What's up? What's up? What's up? It's another episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. I am one of your lovely hosts, Amy Jo MD. I've got with me Dr. Chris. Hey, guys. Dr. No-No. Hey. And Dr. Sunshine is out saving lives tonight, so she will not be with us, but we miss her already. So, I know. No sunshine up, today. No sunshine. I know. Ain't no sunshine when, when she's, she's gone. gone. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's going on, everybody? Work. Work, 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 work. Listen, I have yeah, I mm. I think you've been having a good time. <laughs> and yo, I about, did. How about people say that I don't work, but I work this week, y'all. I'm a, wait, no, wait. Work. wait, 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 wait. So I, I got off Friday mm-hmm. after working a full day, mm-hmm. hopped in the car and drove to Birmingham because I was attending a wedding mm-hmm. of a dear friend, get there. And because I've been working so hard, I have read the invitation only to be talking to uh, a friend who was there and was like, girl, I had to quickly buy a black tie dress for this wedding. I almost didn't have it. And I'm like, oh, black tie. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. Uh, it's a good thing you talked to that friend. Listen. Because <laughs> you would have turned around like, ooh. <laughs> like, oh, we, yes, what I had was not going to make it. You know, it would have been fine, but I would not have felt good in it because that's not what what I would have worn for, you know, black tie. So I was like, dang. So I um got up early, went and got a mani-pedi, um, and then we went to the mall. And let me tell you, my husband was in like his best, he was living his best life. I think he even waited for this moment. So we go to Saks, we try to find something. Y'all, I can't find anything. Like, I can find nothing. And more importantly... Sex? Of all places. Here, and this is what's important, okay? Not sex. Shout out to sex, right? Y'all were great. Everything was cute. But I've been out here in these honeymoon and kicking streets. And when I tell you, them zippers was against me, okay? Mm-hmm. Them zippers was betraying mm-hmm. my peace. Mm-hmm. They was betraying my peace. They was, you know, they were not for me. They were not for mm-hmm. me that day. Mm-hmm. That's okay, So I found though. this, the cutest, the cutest fit and I was like it don't fit it don't and so I was like y'all we gotta go so I actually ended up going to another department store and had like 10 dresses in (laughs) in my hand I some of them were gorgeous Mm -hmm. um but but, you know some they most of them didn't fit and I was like I'm not going I'm not leaving the department store I've worked too hard to get down into department store sizes. So I'm I'm not leaving. We're we're not going. We're not going to the plus size store. Nothing is plus size. Listen, I rocks with Lane Bryant and um what and a bunch of other ones. So, you know, I do mm-hmm. it. But I was like, I don't have time. First of all, I don't have time. I do not have time to leave here. And when you're tall and thick, but not mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. plus size thick, it's, it's they hard. fit different. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when right. you go and you try it on, you're like, oh, it fits that one area that you're trying to get into. But then all of a sudden your shoulders and where they say your shoulders are supposed to be are not the same mm-hmm. or they don't, they're never long enough. Right. So even if I make it fit where I want it to fit, it's, it's horrible. I have learned that I'm not that I don't have that body type. So I need to get it from, you know, this door. So I got down to like the last one and it fit. And I was like, yes. So I was like, listen, I don't care if this dress fits, we're zipping it up and we're keeping it going. Okay. So I got my dress, went and bought some shoes, got a little suck them in, little nice under support wear and took myself to the wedding. So went there, had a good time. Y'all went out, we kicked it. We had so much fun. Got home, got back to the hotel, like 3 a.m. Got up at eight, drove to Georgia, saw the most amazing, talented young lady. I'm not going to say her name because I do not have her parents' permission, but she played um, Ariel in The Little Mermaid at like a local, um, you know, theater mm-hmm. um, like performance. And when I tell you this girl, like she gave me chills. Her voice was beautiful. It was oh. absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, you, If I closed my eyes, I would have thought I was listening to a Disney movie. That's how great she sounds. She was so amazing. So um, I hope that 
she goes many places and one day she's on Broadway and I'm like, y'all, that was the girl I was talking about on the podcast. So <laughs> let this, you know, serve as a bookmark that I thought she was absolutely amazing. So we do that. We get done with that. We have dinner. Then we head from Athens back to Atlanta to check into the hotel. We get up the next day. We sleep in just a little bit. We get up the next day. I try to do a little bit of work. I left my charger in the car that I've sent home with my husband. And um, so I can only work till my, you know, laptop died, which was all of 10 minutes. So I had enough, to, t- enough time to put in labs and that was into that. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> went to lunch and then headed to Beyonce. And when I tell y'all, Beyonce night number three put on a show. I, I heard she put on the show night one and two. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there for night one and two, but our mute for night three. Oh my God. It was amazing. You couldn't hear anything on mute. Like it was the greatest thing because it was like almost a wind of silence blew through you. Like you could hear it. It was just like, and then it was the loudest like comeback ever. I, I, I girl, listen, me and Beyonce, we, we were great. So then did that. I love how you said me and Beyonce, we were great. I love how you put we were great. It sounded like you were up on the stage too, dancing and twerking. You were like, we were great. Me and Beyonce did so good that night. Oh, you should have seen us. Oh, you should have seen us. We were so good. Um, You know, concert ended about, she performed a good, what, two hours and 45 minutes or something like that. Something crazy. And um, Blue came out, by the way. Oh, that's nice. Listen, Blue is like, I don't know what y'all heard. I'm getting better and better every time. Blue yeah. was getting it. They were going crazy. She looked so cute. Loved it. Yeah. Um, but then the concert came to an end. And so I went back to my room, got my suitcase, got in the car, and drove to Columbia. You drove? And went to work. Oh. I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. So I was like, listen here, people. Y'all don't get these prescriptions. <laughs> we got it here um you know once you get moving you're good but yeah i um i got home about four and i was back in the office saw oh first patient had a full day I, oh I that is that is dedication y'all i mean i, did, I had a full day I, I love my patients too but i'm not that dedicated i would have taken <laughs> the day off I y'all would have to figure it out because i can't <laughs> it was insane yeah. it was insane still did what's today wednesday i can't remember whatever today is um. Then I got off and I went and had dinner. I right? went out to dinner that night. So whatever today. Is. No right <laughs> I think I think some people might be worried. She doesn't know what day it is today. <laughs> Yo, you know, take a nap. Rock right. star lifestyle might not Rock make it. it. <laughs> it's all right, guys. Don't worry. We've been trained very well through residency. Okay, oh, we can, we, we can we do this. We is. can function and not know the day. But we're not going to get your prescription don't. wrong. We won't. Trust. Because <laughs> you're going to call me and I'm I'm going to be too tired to take that phone call. So I'm going to get it right immediately right. so right. that um I can do it. So, yes, it was um it was it was good. It was a good weekend. I don't do those weekends very often. But, you know, once I do them, I try to make sure I max them out. It was great. I knew Atlanta it was absolutely would be great. a big city. I always I mean, Chicago was great, but I, I knew Atlanta, Houston. What was the other big one? Uh, L.A. probably would have been great to go also, but I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not. I'm not the Bayhive. I know most of her songs, but one concert was enough for me. I can't imagine her performing three like high energy concerts like back to back in one weekend. I don't know how she does that. Me either, because she is moving nonstop. Now she has over the years, right? So if you've seen. The first ones, like the early ones and everything where she was bouncing from top to bottom. There are moments in there where she's sitting down a little bit more and stuff like that. But even with that, she is I mean, literally homecoming jamming. Was like up and dancing in the bleachers with the stands, with the twins. Like she was up all over the stage. And honestly, to this day, that was probably my favorite performance by Beyonce. And like the Coachella series was absolutely perfect. Oh, like, Coachella was great. Oh my! I wish I had that. I had that weekend off, and it was my birthday weekend. I'd still kick myself. I can't off. believe you didn't go. Like that. Yeah. That that oh, sounds like would have been like. <laughs> I 
Like, that ain't stopped us before. We just didn't eat. We ate at the cafeteria. That's why I was. I don't know about y'all. That's why I was fat. I was like, forget this money spending on food. I'm about to get these wings from this cafeteria off this little stipend I got. Oh, and that's, then when I, gonna, um, that's when I started getting fat. Fifteen dollars went far. Yo, I was so fat. Listen, all I ate was chicken wings and um, what those the green leaf teas or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. That, that was lived off of them. It was. Look, I saw a picture. Yo, yo, it was so funny because you sent us all a text like. Y'all not my friends. Y'all don't love me. Y'all not. <laughs> you were like, y'all, y'all let not. me be fat. And I'm thinking to myself, we were all fat. <laughs> like, how are we going to tell you? We were all doing that, the budget, everything. Like, I'm like, Mm-mm. we were all in the same boat. She was like, no. I, no, no, y'all, no, no. Y'all not my friends. <laughs> I, I was looking at a picture of me when I was on L&D. And them damn scrubs were so tight. If I sneeze, them shits would have busted clear off my body. They were so tight, and I'm pretty sure it was a two X I had on at that time. And I mean, tight. like you know how like when you get the scrubs fresh out, they still had a little fold creases in them. Wasn't no damn fold creases in mine because they was pulling so tight. Damn thing wasn't even all right. I was like, who did this? Like, golly, I'm so fat. I'm out here talking stuff. I can't believe it. And you know, I'm surprised ain't no patient calling me fat because normally when you be in the hospital or talking to them, they be like, what about you, doc? What about you? Mm-hmm. I was like, my goodness, I am the juiciest of juicy. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Man, look, I, you, Yes, I can't even. I think about that all every now and then. It pops up, you know, like when it's always this time. This time six years ago, this is what you was doing: being fat, (laughs) eating wings. That's what I was doing. Listen, it wasn't our fault because first off, we didn't have much money. They gave us a stipend to the cafeteria, and you would think hospital cafeteria would have healthy food. Mm -mm. That is not true. They do not. Okay, Mm-mm. and then and then we made friends with the cook, and they gave us extra portions. Okay, yo, we took them. Here's what here's what made it extra yo, fat. It was a use it or lose it. Yo, she yep. yo, it was a use it or lose it kind of thing. And so yep. I would take my non hungry fat self down there <laughs> to get food just in case I might get hungry later. Right, right. Even though if I might get hungry later, the time was going to flip over by the time the cafeteria opened back up in the morning, I could eat then. But that didn't stop me because I was like, this is my food. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Yo, yeah. That's that's why I had to lose like 30 something pounds when I got to South Carolina because I was like, it's too hot for, too hot for this kind of fat. <laughs> too hot. What? Listen, it was it was kind of I guess maybe halfway third year we realized okay we got to make some changes we can't do do this anymore. I mean, it was also because we graduated we had now all this time that we did not have before and now That's a little bit true. a little spending money now so you can yeah. like go to yeah. the gym and get the trainer if you wanted to and that has made a world of difference. But um, yeah, that was that was like yeah, kind of the first thing I got once I got my first check. I was like even before I got the check. I was like, I'm going to get money, so let's put that on the credit card. I need a trainer. (laughs) So I I was like, I need to get this trainer. A personal trainer is the best investment I've ever made for my health, like, ever. I I love that woman. Like, she's changed my life around. I'm I'm lifting, like, heavy shit every time we go in. I'm bench pressing. Well, my bench press is terrible. But my deadlift and my, my squats are getting really good. I just feel strong and healthy, and I did not feel like that going through residency, which it's kind of weird because you think all doctors would feel healthy, they have a healthy diet, and blah blah blah. But yo, we Mm-mm. we literally do not have time for that, um, well, especially in the program we were in. It was not it was not easy for sure. But I think the whole thing too is like, yes, personal training costs money, but I just thought to myself like, I spend money on frivolous stuff, but why not spend money to make me better right make me healthier make me be the best person that I could be like why not invest in myself like that's a great investment right exactly of course if you have the funds to do so because not everybody can because it is do you still use your yeah do you still use your personal trainer I don't know you do doctor Mm -hmm. I need to get one uh, I actually had mine since the start of the pandemic because I wasn't comfortable using our apartment gym since everyone kept uh, getting COVID. Man. Um, so <laughs> mm-hmm. I found a trainer that someone had recommended, like, I think it was like on TikTok or something and went out to the gym. They had like 
little socially distant spacing and everyone's wearing masks and they had like the the fans going and stuff and i'm like oh okay this is, this is what's up um it was just like a really cool and it's not like a boutique gym by any means it's like those old school gold gyms that you see like you know the you know the, the squat racks and you know the the metal music they'll play hip-hop every once in a while um but everyone's there they're really friendly and you know we have a set goal that we do for that day and we get through it and it's it's very low stress and i, I love it and that's the gym i've been going to for the past three years i'm um, with my with my trainer so see i know i'm an orange theory girl and i love it i just i do wish that i spent a couple of days lifting more so I don't want to give up Orange Theory because oh, just I don't know. Some, no, I love it. I love seeing my name on the screen. Don't do that. I like seeing it. So but don't I, do that. I, you could get one and don't have and just do the personal training for just li- that lifting. That's kind of what I did because yeah, I've had my personal trainer for a long time. And then I just kind of felt like I was plateauing. So I kind of try to change it up. So I see my trainer mostly to do lifting. And then yeah. I do other things. Dr. Chris, you power lift? I'm not going to say power lift because nah, but I do bench press. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be out here and be like, Oh, I could do the same thing you do. No, 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 no. Anything I'm, I'm, you can do. I can <laughs> do better. Mm-mm, I'm not going to do I that. Mean, honestly, I only picked up power lifting because my sister was doing it and I always want to beat her at everything. So that's, um, that's a great motivation. My, uh, that's a great motivation. No, I'm, I'm good. Nice. I don't need to power lift like that. I just, I do like lifting. But I don't need to do that. The only reason why I really wanted, truth be told, really wanted to do it is because some of the girls in the gym that I would see that would lift, I'm like, I like how their bodies are. They got big booties because, you know, that's what mm-hmm. I want, a big booty. I do. I want a big booty. Yeah, and they got good thighs. I'm, I'm like, listen, I want that body. And then my trainer will all try to tell me, well, you know, that's their genetics. I'm like, ha, 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 that's funny. But why all of them have it? I want to do <laughs> Right. I want some genetics. <laughs> right. I want, I some. want some genetics. <laughs> no, that's the squats, those Romanian yeah. deadlifts. That's the um ugh, I, I when we do the the lower body day, I literally walk out of that gym like legs wobbling. And I'm like, I don't know if I can drive home after this, but it's a very good workout and I've definitely seen a very nice improvement after it. So Oh yeah, yeah. Just it's, it's pretty it. it's pretty good. I don't do it like that. Um I told I told my trainer he had to chill on that because I can't, I can't be every day looking like I'm a crippled person. Like that's not, (laughs) I can't do that. I can't do that. I told him he had to chill out. Like, no, you're doing too much. I got this from, well, thanks to Dr. No, no, she helped me out. (laughs) I give you a shout out. So basically, <laughs> so um, I got this, uh, saw this post about, uh, so Kim Kardashian made this post on IG showing that she got a full body scan for like her preventative health. So the scan to like see if, um, to detect early signs of cancer. And she was basically saying like, this is like a, uh, like something that everyone should do and pretty much promoting it. Right. And she went to this place, I call, I think it was a uh, prevenial or something Mm -hmm. um where she went to get this full body scan and so the thing is it's like okay she's saying that this is a good thing to do but i mean we don't really recommend people doing these scans um just to try to detect cancer because i mean the the thing is like doing a scan you're going to you're putting yourself at risk of radiation okay which can later end up causing cancer and also when you do the scan is it can just potentially cause more more issues with false positives so seeing something you think is positive but it's not increase the risk of more invasive procedures so if we see something then we're going to want to biopsy or do something and it could be negative and not anything and also, it causes more stress and anxiety for people because, like, it's really scary when you're doing scans and you're thinking, oh, shoot, I might have cancer. And, for instance, even when you're doing um, your screening for your mammographies, 
right? A lot of times people go for their screening for breast cancer and depending on like with the modality of our screening, depending on your breast, if you have like more dense breast tissue, they can't really see everything. Then they tell you got to go for an ultrasound and then they might see a little thing like they want to do a biopsy and turns out to be negative. I mean, good that we do it, but at the same time too, it causes a lot of stress and anxiety. So I'm gonna so, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Okay, um, okay. So with the uh, so with the full body scans, because you know this this is not anything new. I think it's now becoming more prevalent because obviously a Kardashian did it, so now everyone has to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, there's a um, there's a Facebook group where a lot of the physicians are on, mm-hmm. and this topic was actually brought up in that Facebook group. And they're saying, oh, you know, full body MRIs, like they're going to detect every little thing. You're going to get overworked up, overdiagnosed and, you know, all this other stuff. But actually, there are a couple of success stories in there about there's one physician who actually did the full body MRI scan and actually found um, early stage pancreatic cancer. So there is certain and another person on there, they found early stage ovarian cancer. So there, there are a couple of cancers out there that we do not have screening protocols for yet. And their argument within the group, and this is something obviously that I need to think about more, but um, for the cancers that we don't have like early screening protocols for yet, but when you catch them, they're almost always caught later. And that's like after you're amenable to like surgery and any t- uh, type of intervention to get rid of it. There may be there may be a place for these full body scans in the future. Mm-hmm. I know we did a full podcast on this um, earlier. I think you can't scan my whole body, mm-hmm. and that was before this article came out. But I don't know. I mean, I think there may be a benefit to this, but I would say that we need to have better protocols in place. Um, and then also, like the issue of like who's going to follow up with the. Um, images or anything that you gets caught on the scan is also up to question because right now I think the people if you know you can go out and just buy the MRI body scan and that's on you like you know your insurance may not cover it but then like when you get the results from the radiologist they usually tell you to take that back to your PCP so they can follow up with it and that's you know that that's where issues can kind of come up so um, I think that that pathway needs to be, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, needs to be filtered out a little bit more mm-hmm. or fixed a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I do see some benefit to this in the future, especially for those cancers that we do not have um, screening protocols for yet. So, you know, the, um, and, y- you know, that's going to have the, that's a, such a, I'm losing my words for that. I hear your like point, Doctor No, but I'm like, oh too. my god! I hear your point too, but it's it's just it's a, gonna be it's a lot. It's gonna take a lot of work, right? Because you find, you know, you've got one example of somebody finding early pancreatic cancer, which is which is great for whoever we yes, found it, yes. because pancreat. So Doctor No was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Pancreatic cancer is often found late, or when you do find it, there's not a whole lot you can do about it, and is in almost all cases a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Maybe not an immediate death sentence, but you're like, okay, listen, get your affairs in order because this is, you know, what's happening. That is true. Mm -hmm. Um, But the American College of Preventative Medicine, I think, issued a statement just in this past June Mm -hmm. saying the scans are likely to result in little benefit to patients, causing significant harms and waste of money and healthcare resources. And so my fear, right, my fear is that people are going to get a scan. The scan is going to show something that something is going to be indeterminate and they're going to say, well, I want surgery to remove X, Y, Z because I just rather be safe than sorry. And we know that they say that safe than sorry, but they don't mean that shit, right? Because if that rather than safe than sorry approach causes harm and there turns out to not be a a true significant finding when they do the pathology, then, then who, then who's responsible? Right. Because I can also can see insurance companies, you know, when you, we've all gotten them where you get that sheet saying, Hey, you ordered this test or you did this lab 
and we don't like your code for it. You know, can you give us a new billing code? And you're mm-hmm. like, that that is the code. Right. So what happens when that pops up and they say, oh, well, in that case, you know, we can't do it. Now, of course, for big procedures like surgeries and imaging and stuff like that, before you do the procedure, most of the time your office has, you know, gotten a pre, you know, pre-authorization clearance prior to. But it's very expensive. And the test itself is expensive. It's right. like twenty five hundred dollars. Yes, it is very expensive. And then my not other covered question, by insurance. My other question too is oh, okay, let's say we do the scan, right? And we don't really find anything. So like how often are we supposed to do these scans? That's because true. I don't this know. is the yeah, other we, thing too. Is, if I do the scan mm-hmm. and I don't see any evidence of cancer, right? You feel good that oh, everything's good, but guess what? It could develop tomorrow. You do them once every ten years. I mean, I'm sure the company doesn't care. They are right. living their they're best life. Like they're money. like, you can do as many skins right. as you want. But then you're um, exposing yourself to more radiation. And so, is the is the Pernuvo scan a it's a M- full body MRI? No, it's a full body MRI. Full body MRI. Yeah. So, because MRI is going to be the most sensitive for detecting for anything. Right. A CT is going to you know have that radiation risk that. So, right. so the MRI doesn't the full, really have much of that. Yeah, they're going to argue that the full body MRI has no radiation, radiation risk. risk. Yeah. You know, so it's typically safer and it gives you more accurate results than a, than a CT usually does. So, I mean, um, of course, it's going to turn into what everything turns into in America. That if you can afford it, by all means, get it. And that's exactly. what's gonna because happen. I'm not going to be stopping people from getting it. Right? right? Don't let me stop you. So if you know, you now I'll just. Yeah, the next time one of my, you know, patients are like, well, ain't that some full body scan I can get? It is. Um, you got to pay out of pocket, but, you know, you can get it. Yeah, but I've had patients come to me and they're like, can I get a PET scan? Like, are we just do a oh, PET scan? Oh, absolutely I'm not. Like, uh, the radiation no. on a PET scan? Somebody, yeah, somebody no. asked me for a PET scan. It's you know, high. For what? You know, uh, uh, for they want to make sure they didn't have cancer. But oh, my gosh. you have cancer to determine your oh. staging. That's what you get a PET not- scan for. Right. Oh man, Dr. Chris, you'd have made me I lost it. Something. There used to oh I man, know I'm so tired. There was somebody we had a conversation with a radiologist <laughs> about risk of radiation over time. Remember we had that conversation? Yes. And I don't remember re- what, what he said. <laughs> I don't remember what he said either, but I remember recently um some somebody one of my patients had a cancer. And I remember asking them, so are you going to get your PET scan? Because they normally do them. And they said, no, it's not recommended anymore. Like, I, it was the first time he oh, read it for really? this particular cancer. And I should have written it down. And I do not remember. But there is some cancer out there that um, the oncologists were like, the recommendation is no longer a PET scan to follow up. And so they were like, nope, they just told me they would see me in a year. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I don't oh. remember it. I should have wrote it down because I was like, oh, I was expecting it. I went to the note, like right, looking for them to do it. And they right. were like, no, I saw it in I saw it in his note, like, you know, you know, will not perform PET scan at this time, no longer recommended. And I was like, oh, okay. Or maybe it's because but, there's know. certain cancers that tend to spread more than others. So I don't know. Or maybe it's when they catch it. But this was one that I gosh, Probably I feel like I see it all would, the time. Right. And and I, they, they, they had pulled back on it, but you know, anyway, Kim K out here in these streets, she's not the first person in fairness. This is not the first time I've heard of that. There was another mm-hmm. celebrity that did it first and everybody was up in arms about it. So look, if you're trying to get a Pernuvo scan, don't call us, call them. It's new. There's a, there's one opening up in Chicago. They oh, cost really? about 2,500. Yep. They, mm-hmm. So maybe we'll send doctor. No, they cost about $2,500 <laughs> to get it done. Um, they typically are not covered by your insurance company. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have it done, um, well, you know, <laughs> go to your doctor. But so. but let me say this. If you spend $2,500 on a full body scan and you still eat bacon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We what just are gonna you leave doing? it. We just gonna leave it at that. Just that's just, all I'm just, saying. Just just think about that. <laughs> I'm just just when you're when you're sitting in there and you're scanning, and you plan on going to get a a bacon cheeseburger right after you're done, um, from um oh what's that place with the burgers, Doctor No downtown. Place with the burgers. Oh, Chevelle. 
Yes. So if you're like, oh, when I get out of here, I'm gonna go to Achaval and get my burger with that bacon oh, on it. The, then the um, fried egg and the the yes. bacon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm craving that. <laughs> Listen, if that's what you're doing, then what are we doing here, right? You could have saved. You could have saved time, and just had the and just had the uh, burger. Today, this is going to be our first ever joint topic because um, we both had ideas for a topic. And you're like, oh, <laughs> these go together. So let's talk about them together. So, Amy Jo MD, you want to start yours first and I can go into mine? Yeah. Or so they're going to just go into each other. They're just so. going to combine. We're talking about the heart in many aspects, right? So, particularly, we're going to be tra- talking about what we call hokum in these streets but what is actually in these medicine streets (laughs) hypertrophic cardiomyopathy um and so it is it is something interesting because we have just recently had this stretch of athletes um lebron james son has a heart attack while at practice there was another young guy high schooler uh just going to college to just you know, died, you know, kind of, you know, dropped dead. And there was one more that just happened. And I didn't catch, you know, that, that um, athlete's name, but we have this string and this happens all the time, but because this came up, you know, one thing that happens at least amongst doctors, when a young athlete just suddenly dies or suddenly has a heart attack or suddenly has some kind of condition that causes syncope, we all go hokum, hokum, it's hokum. Like, if it was the wrong answer in the test, we're all going to get it wrong because it's going to be our first guess, right? Like, so it almost always, we're like, oh yeah, that's got to be Hokum. So I figured we would talk about it because um, in this in this environment, you know, we just, things don't come up. We, we, talk, we talk about healthcare in a way that bad things seem to only happen to fluffy people or people who are out of shape or people who have like known disease. And if you look good and if you look healthy and you look like you should be good, then nothing bad can happen to you. And unfortunately that's not the case. Now, of course, with young people, we expect things to be good, but Hey, something's happening. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is one of them. So let's talk about it a little bit. What it is, is actually genetic. It's an autosomal dominant disorder. So autosomal dominant means you inherit the genes from your parents and you only need to inherit one of, you know, you get, you can get one of these genes from both parents. Only one of the genes you get needs to be bad. Mm-hmm. That is essentially what autosomal, autosomal dominant means, right? So um, you inherit it from a parent and all the abnormalities are interesting because they're confined just to the heart. So it does not impact anything else but the heart, but it is a big deal. And it's actually um, kind of more, com- I didn't know this. It's actually a little bit more common than I thought. So mm-hmm. one in 500, somewhere between one in 500 and one in 200 U.S. adults um, have asymptomatic Holcomb. Um, it's the highest in it. The, the, there's a risk. The problem is it causes sudden death, right? Not, oh, I got sick. And, you know, I found out my heart is bad that most people find out as young adults or a teenagers that they have hokum and you find out in autopsy because one minute they're good and the next minute they're literally dead. And that's what makes this, you know, really, really scary. It's the most common cause of cardiac death in young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it occurs in up to like 10% of patients after the diagnosis in childhood. So 10% of people who find out that they have hokum will have a sudden death episode, which is crazy. So people are like, well, what is it? I remember talking to my husband. He was like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I'm like, it's a structure. So what happens is to simplify it, your heart gets structured in a way where the center is too big. And because the middle part of your heart, that muscle gets so big, it obstructs. It prevents you from getting flow out. And if you can't get flow out, it's fine when you're just sitting around chilling. But when you've got high performance athletes or, you know, people that are doing really high intensity things, you need strong flow out all the time. And because you don't have strong flow out and more importantly, it gets blocked even worse when you're doing those activities, you essentially cut off blood flow really quickly to the body. And before you can figure it out, you're dead. 
it's kind of it's kind of really scary. I thought you were trying and to make this unsad. <laughs> Yo, it is sad. It's tragic. Just, it's um, it's yeah. I think it's more tragic. It's yeah. sad for the families, right? right? And so for families that are impacted, they are devastated because I don't think you see it coming, right? right. You are looking at your kid that you know, you, you, you may see, you may see here's her butt cheeks sitting out your refrigerator all the time because they're eating everything, but these kids are eating healthy and they're sleeping and they're running every day and they're doing all the things that, you know, if it were my kid that I would remember like, man, I remember those days when I was moving around like that. And so in your mind, you're like, I got this really fit, you know, athletic kid and they're, you know, they're hiding this thing that could be, you know, very deadly. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that makes it very sad for them. It's completely tragic because it catches everybody off guard. Yep. Mm-hmm. So most and people like, are like, okay, now June told me all this horror story. Um, right. How, you know, who should I suspect? Right. And so, um, anybody, so anybody with a family history of Hokum. So if you, if you've heard, listen, you, you can just have heard it. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, you don't have to be sure. Mm-hmm. Right. You can just come in and tell me like, I heard that my uncle's granddaddy had told me one time, cousin Jojo, I don't <laughs> care. Like, just tell me and I will figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So a family history of Hokum is a good reason to, you know, get a, a, a evaluation for suspicions. A heart murmur in a young kid that you can't figure out what it is, is a good reason to get an evaluation. Or if you get an abnormal EKG for whatever reason, right? Somebody, you you take your kid to the hospital because they said that their stomach was hurting, they had chest pain. They do an EKG. And even if it looks a little abnormal, that's always a good reason to go back to your pediatrician, go back to your family med doctor and say, hey, listen, this is what happened. We got this abnormal EKG. What do we do next? Those are all good reason to get mm-hmm. tested. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that a lot of times, you know, especially when you bring your kids to the doctor and they have to do sports physicals and they we got to ask all these questions. And I think it's really important to know your family history because a lot of the questions, especially in the sports physicals that we ask is, do you have a family member that died suddenly out of, just nowhere just drop dead and if you say yes that makes us think okay is there hokum involved so then we're going to do more things or ask further questions to see if we can prevent or do an ekg to see if we see any abnormalities right so it's i don't think i could stress this enough how it's important to really know your family history so it can it can help us to maybe try to prevent certain things from happening like we are giving you permission to be nosy. Like ask your mom, ask your grandma, your aunties, uncles, whoever, um, to get a good sense of what has happened in, you know, family members that distant, usually immediate is what we um is what we ask more about. But any any history of Holcomb within the family will will put you at risk of of having it, um, if we do not see those signs earlier. So please ask ask those questions. Yeah, because like if we know these things, we can. There's actually genetic testing that can be done, so we mm-hmm. can find out if you do have that particular gene. Yeah. Now, the the family history is important. Parents, please. I know your teenagers; they can drive, and they can do all this kind of stuff, and and we're happy to see them. But please send them if you send them by themselves with this information. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> listen. Y'all 16 and 17, 18 year olds be rolling up and they don't know nothing. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mama just told me to come. I don't know. I just need this paper science so I can play sports. And you're like, okay, do you know anything? Like if you, if you, it, it's fine if you come. There are portions of, of, of any like well child exam or sports physical that I ask parents to come out. But we really would appreciate it if you came because they be messing up the history. <laughs> they always mess up the history. Um, and even if and even if you don't, even if you can't, um, most most um, most Holcomb uh, diagnoses happen incidentally. So they either get an abnormal um, echo or we hear uh, a heart murmur. So you know we're gonna we're always gonna listen to your kiddo's heart. So that part you do not have to worry about. We're going to listen to it and we're going to, you know, figure out, you know, what we need to do next. So um, listening is is half the battle. Um, so, yeah. So can I, they, with the, yeah. I'm sorry, with the heart murmur part, um, just because people may not know. So a heart murmur is like an abnormal sound that's created by a port, uh, something within your heart. So your heart 
has four um, four different valves. And also we talked about the structure of the inner wall of the heart. So if any of these parts or components of your of your heart is abnormal, then that will pop up in our stethoscope as like a funny heart sounding heart sound. So if you hear us saying, oh, we hear an S3 or a holosystolic murmur or um, a diastolic murmur best heard at the apex, those are all... Um, those are all like uh, information to us and your medical team on where we're best hearing this murmur or this heart sound. And that can actually tell you which valve or which part of your heart is the abnormal component of it. So um, your doctor should always be doing listening to those different parts of your heart. And if they if you hear those things or you see those things like on your medical history, like, oh, I have an S3 and a hollow systolic, like you're asking, what is that? You know, those are all just funny ways that we describe, you know, the different heart sounds on your exam. Another reason why it's important to know. So there were some things. So I'd, I'd pulled this, um, this practice guideline management off of, um, AFP site and also looked at the, um, uh, American college of cardiology, the pediatric unit, just to kind of see like what they're, what they were talking about it. And they said something, I didn't realize it was this complex. Like apparently there are like eight genes that are associated with mm-hmm. Holcomb. Mm-hmm. So the genetic variation is found in like 30 to 60% um, of patients. They said only 30 to 60%, but the fact that you can have eight genes that can come together to do it means that, you know, you also may even end up getting like genetic counseling and stuff like that. So all Holcomb is not identical. So some of it, you know, can be from a completely different gene makeup. So you, you always want to, you know, make sure that you are, you know, checking that. Mm -hmm. So you, you make sure you know that. And then also the reason why we are saying that the EKG and the echocardiogram are, you know, a really good tool is that 95% of Holcomb cases have a nine, have an abnormal EKG. Now, where this matters for adults is that 50% of Holcomb um, cases will develop AFib. Ah. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, and, and, and lots of people do. So for, for children who transition into adults who still are going to have Holcomb, it is important to keep up with that and because um h- half of you half of them will have proximal um proximal atrial fibrillation which means that you're going to have an abnormal rhythm and the problem with having this particular abnormal rhythm is that the heart jiggles sometimes and doesn't squeeze and we don't like things in this case to jiggle jiggle when it comes <laughs> to the heart okay we need you to move cuz if you're not moving your blood then your blood is prone for clotting and if you got clottable blood, then you're at increased risk of heart attacks and strokes and all these things. And so this is what makes this, you know, a little bit more complicated because I feel like we've always, even if I think about even as physicians in medical school and residency, we kind of talked about Holcomb as a kid thing, right? Oh my God, kid gets Holcomb and plays basketball and dies. But every kid that gets Holcomb does not play basketball and die. They become adults that have Holcomb. And it feels to me, y'all can tell me if I'm wrong. It feels to me like we just like, well, if you're adult and you make it, all right, cool, you survive. And then you start, you know, doing your research and you're like, wait a minute, there's still things to be concerned about. So it's important to say that because it always felt like to me, we talked about it like, if you get to adulthood, praise the Lord, you now, you've been healed. And I'm like, oh, that's not it. Yeah. yeah they come in with other stuff. Because it's, it's, it's hard too, yeah. because a lot of times, like when we could catch it, it's when you're like doing some strenuous kind of activity. If you're not necessarily doing it, you probably, like you said, go through it and don't really present or show something. But yeah. then it is a thing, it's a problem. I wonder I mean, how many kids adult, see it now. Like, yeah, as an adult, though, you you kind of, I mean, the cases that we've seen, mm-hmm. um, usually when you're coming in, you're coming in for something like completely that seems unrelated. Like they're coming in like they feel more short of breath mm-hmm. when they're walking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. down a couple steps or up a couple steps. Sorry, um, they're getting like these honey funny um, heart rhythms in their chest, um, feeling dizzy, and sometimes they may just pass out from doing like you know mm-hmm. minimal stuff. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. oh, I was yeah. taking the groceries out the car, and then next thing I know, I woke up on the floor. Um, so that's that in itself, you know, necessitates a different type of workup. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you see, oh crap, your heart muscle is huge. How have you been going on this right, long without this right, thing right, uh, popping right. up? 
Um, so usually they're coming in and the complications with hokum is that you can get um, heart failure um, because like we said, you know, your muscle, your heart is a giant muscle. And if it's your heart is not pumping properly, a lot of that fluid gets backed up into your lungs and you can see the swelling on your legs and that, you know, you're coming in with heart failure, which is another issue altogether. Um, so in the adults that we usually see, they're, they're, if they do have hokum and they're coming into the hospital, it's usually from the complications of longstanding hokum that have not been seen until now. Yeah. Now, the one thing we should say is that, you know, everything isn't hokum. Um, even though I, I, I know, I know somebody's going to rewind and be like, uh-uh, you just said that when somebody <laughs> dropped in, you'd be like, Hoka. I did say it. It's always my guess. It's always my guess. It's going to continue to Your be my guess, guess, but it's but always my first guess. But there's other things. <laughs> right. There's other things. And so it's important to, if you, if you, you know, you know, you look around and you say, Hey, has anybody in the family ever had Hokum? And everybody says, no, I don't think so. And you're like, okay, well, I'm good. Well, no, you should still investigate it. Right. So um because i'm surprised how many people were i'll tell them like they have a murmur and i want them to get a um an echo and i see the next time they're like yeah i ain't get it yet and i'm like what are you doing like get the echo so we can like <laughs> see what's going on so there's other differentials right so you can you could have hypertensive cardiomyopathy so uncontrolled blood pressure can also make a big beefy juicy heart and big beefy juicy hearts are not the kind of muscle you want in your heart, right? It might be nice for butt cheeks and arms, but it is no good for hearts, right? Mm -hmm. So the heart needs to be a lean muscle. Um, it can be, um, amyloidosis. Now I didn't know this one. So it can also be, um, amyloidosis. It can be, um, uh, caused by like NF1 neurofibr neurofibromatosis type one can have some, Mm -hmm. can have similar issues on our service. That's crazy. Yeah, we, it was, you will almost never see this now, but like we definitely had a case of both of those on our service. I think, no, there were one right after the other. I'm like, what is going on? I think, mm-hmm. I think you had um, a patient who had amyloidosis, amyloidosis who, who, who was in heart failure. That one is mm-hmm. yeah, really hard to Yeah, she had an EF of like less hard than 5%. Hard to yeah. yeah. So she, she went into cardiac arrest and, and passed away, but I, I think they rounded up with that ejection fraction because there, there ain't no way. Yeah. There's no way, but, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Aortic valve abnormalities can also mm-hmm. remodel mm-hmm. the left ventricle. Cause that really is the one that gets impacted the most. So, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, just trying to simplify it before we throw like a bunch of hard stuff at y'all. I know it's been a long time. So we try not to use all this terminology. So to simplify it, you feel the right, you empty the left in the heart. It is a very simplification. Please, no doctor, no cardiologist call me. I know. But you fill in the right, you empty out the left. And so anything that's going to make that left side big and juicy and beefy means it ain't a whole lot to give to the body to feed it. So that's how um, the aortic um, valvular abnormality can can do it. But there's also like glycogen and lysosomal storage disease. God, I hadn't t- oh, talked about those since... Um, you know, board days, but yeah, they can mimic, um, they can mimic hokum, you know, um, other metabolic derangements, neurologic deficits, all these things. And so if any of this is coming up and you've got a kiddo and you're like, well, we have some, you know, component of that, then that also can be, um, a reason to have them, you know, evaluate it. Right. I, for me personally, for kiddos, I have a really low threshold of um, echocardiograms. I don't know how many EKGs I do. Um, when you start reading up on stuff like this, it makes you want to do more. Mm-hmm. But echoes, I'm like, oh, let's get an echo. Like, oh, you had a little chest pain? Let's get an echo. Like, I'm, I'm the echo. Like, I'm not messing with no kid's heart. Like, I'm like, echo now. Let's do it right now. Let's see it. Let's look at it. Let's make sure we're not missing anything. But I may start throwing... Um, some EKGs in there too. Um, if they're, I mean, if I they're complaining, the, the EKGs would be just easy to, you know, if your clinic has that capability to do mm-hmm. it, then just like getting a quick one in the clinic and then, you know, being able to have like a baseline for before the kid goes for like, you know, the not the confirmatory testing, but like, you know, to fulfill your suspicions of, oh, this is probably Holcomb. Let me get the echo. Um, you know, sometimes they need, they may need a, a Holter monitor for like uh, ambulatory EKG monitoring. 
um, which some primary care clinics will set up, but usually if it gets to that point, then you're probably seeing a cardiologist who's going to interpret the result. Yeah, I send the PD's cards. They are so good. They're so fast. Yeah, like when you you put refer referrals in for PD's cards, they're like, thank you, and we'll see them tomorrow. Like they are like in there at the end of the week. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They don't. It's awesome. And listen, Mm -mm. I'm I'm with Amy Joe. I'm like that too. I'm like, uh, let's do all the things. You got a little chest pain, even if it might be muscular. I don't care. We doing something because yeah. I do no. both. I, I, my yeah. times I'm doing both. I'm doing an EKG and an echo. <laughs> I'm doing you know, both. I I guess I don't do as many EKGs. I, I feel do I feel like that. I don't sure. do as many EKGs on the kids as I think. I I know I order echoes, right? Yeah. Because I'm always like, we need to. In my mind, I'm like, I want to see your right. heart. Like I want to see the structure like, of it. Yeah. Even if this EKG looks normal, I want to see the structure of your heart. And I'm sending you to Pete's card. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're going to end up doing EKG too. So I feel like I'm ordering stuff that they have in there. Um, A lot of times times I do the EKG just for a baseline. Because I know when they see the cardiologist, they're going to repeat it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. So and it's always good because when you're coming in to the, you know, just another clinic or even to the hospital, like I always look at past EKGs mm-hmm. that you may have gotten in order to compare like, oh, is this a new like left bundle uh, uh, branch block? Is this AFib new? Um, and, you know, that really helps when you have previous EKGs to compare it to. So EKG is like the, I, I'm speaking out my butt here, but maybe like the most low cost, like, uh, low cost um, diagnostic material that we have available to us in the clinic. You can get it real quick. It takes maybe a minute to get a a good reading and then you have it in your system and that will follow you almost anywhere you go, like within your health system. And that we use that as like a comparison to other EKGs you may get, you know, along the line. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, management right because everybody doesn't die okay i know we're making it sound like everybody dies everybody doesn't die um the 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 deaths are tragic because they're sudden but most people can live with hokum but it does require a really sensitive um time window and a specialized management so most people need to go to centers that specialize in hokum care Right. So they're they're going to have, you know, just just more access to higher end tests, you know, a little bit quickly. And, you know, we want to make sure all that stuff is going well. So um, if you are diagnosed with. um, Sorry, something was happening in my computer. If you're if you're diagnosed with Hokum, they're probably going to get you to a specialized cardiologist that's going to, you know, really take over the care, really leaves the primary care hand at that point, and you are seen by a specialist. You're probably going to be put on medicines like um, calcium channel, uh, I mean, beta blockers or calcium channel blockers, um, you know, things to control um, blood pressure, heart rate, but you're also probably going to get a implantable defibrillator. <laughs> Defibrillator. Implantable cardiac defibrillator to reduce the risk of sudden cardiac death. So I think, you know, with some of these technologies, we are seeing less cases, but you got to catch them before they have an event. Also, this is the reason why so many like defibrillators are now in schools and stuff like that, because you needed to have access to them. And so, you know, there used to be a time where you didn't think high schools needed defibrillators for young people. But now you can find one in just about every gym, but you'll get an implantable one, which decreases the risk. Um, And so all that stuff will be a shared decision making uh, plan between you, the cardiologist, your teenager. So having a defibrillator um like what amy joe said like they're literally available almost anywhere you go the key issue though is finding people that know how to use it so it is extremely simple if you guys have any time in your day i'd recommend you take um, a bls course um, offered by many american um, heart association places in in your area Um, because honestly uh key survival for people for pre-hospital intervention so if someone goes down and uh cardiac arrest um you know or whatever they're down they're not breathing don't have a pulse you can immediately start chest compressions and if they have a shockable rhythm so that's the funny heart rhythm that can lead people into 
um, uh, a cardiac arrest. And we're not talking about flatline. That's something completely different. You actually don't shock that rhythm. They do it on TV shows all the time. You don't shock <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. Just do CPR, please. Just mm-hmm. CPR. Um, but if you see that shockable rhythm, then you can use the AED device to shock them. And that can actually get them out of that rhythm and into a cardiac uh, center where they can get the interventions that they need. So honestly, if you have that certification on you um, and you know how to use that AED, you can literally save a life. Um, and I stress that to anyone that's come in for that because it's it's so extremely helpful. I think I need to register for ACLS course. Yes. I'm super sad about that. Yes. I mean, I'm not super sad to be certified, but now that we're talking about that, I just realized that. Um, you haven't done it in a while. Well, all we really need in a ago, clinic so. is a BLS. Yeah, really? but you guys like ACLS either? No. You, or pals? You, don't listen, no. don't listen, Dr. Chris. At any point in time, then call you inpatient. And if you inpatient, you need ACLS. Yes, I know that. But what I'm saying <laughs> is in the clinic, they don't necessarily require that you have to take the ACLS. Not That's necessarily. true. But oh. yes, I do it, but it's not required. But you Man, need to know yeah. BLS because, you know, when you're doing the, the AED, Yo, like, I got, I, like you were talking yeah. about, the machine literally kind of tells you what to do. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Like, I know someone posted in one of the Facebook groups that they were trying to put one in their, their uh, church. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone had a cardiac event, but no one knew how to use the AED device. Um, so wow. they're tr- they were trying to set up uh, someone to come in and, like, teach them how to use it, which I, I think is actually extremely beneficial but like i have to have them because i work in a hospital but even if i didn't i would still recommend oh yeah it's it's a good skill to have anyway it's a good skill to have because you never know right and you don't want to be in a position if you're in a position where you can help somebody it's great it's also it's horrible feeling that something's happened and you feel helpless and you can't do it now i know it makes it sound like we're saying that these people can never exercise again it's actually not true so i, I do want to put that out there so the safety of exercise this was according to the american academy of um cardiologists and um so the acc the aha everybody agreed with this that um moderate intensity is safe and recommended for people with stable hokum um, so you get, you know, a, a really decent, we call it burden, um, burden of, you know, arrhythmias, you know, so the risk is about this is about, you know, with the standard population when it's moderate intensity. So we don't want people to just kind of sit down and say, well, that's it. I can't do anything, but we do want, um, people to have moderate intensity. So moderate intensity um, is safe and recommended. So y- your your burden on the heart can be can be okay if your if your hokum is stable. If you're going to participate in high intensity sports, the answer to that unfortunately is probably you cannot. Mm-hmm. You got to come. You got to. You got to. You can be in a sports enthusiast, but you cannot be a sports participant in that case. So high intensity athletics cannot, you know, be a thing. And so um, that's the reason why when, you know, uh, Bronny went down, I was like, oh, no, this man's going to never play again. So I can can already see some of these questions coming in. But um, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. So now the issue with DeMar Hamlin is going to pop up and people are thinking that he may have had Holcomb. But they never actually released what he had. But like the consensus from um, mostly most cardiologists and everything on um, on our group was that he actually had a condition where if you have really strong blunt force trauma to the chest, um, that can actually be enough to stop your heart, which we call commotial cordis. Um, so right now the consensus is that he did not have hokum. Um, but like that event where the football or the tackle, the tackle, was it mm-hmm. um, that yeah. actually was strong enough to stop his heart? That is something completely, completely different. Um, but if y'all Which have questions insane. about it, send them in anyway, because our mailbox is dry. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so yes, there's exercise in your future. No, if you are a high performance athlete, it doesn't look like that anymore. Um, Yes, you should be evaluated sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, 
we still push, you know, healthy lifestyle. So healthy eating and all these things. There are some medications out there. It helps some people. It does not help all people. And you go from there. So if you were asking me for the key points, I would say if you think you have anything in your family history that you're experiencing or that you are just concerned about, an evaluation with an EKG, an echocardiogram, um, and even we and we'll even do prolonged cardiac monitoring, right? So the reason why we send people to like peds cardiology is like what Dr. Noah was saying. Um, we'll put you on a halter monitor to kind of see what that looks like as you go from your day to day. So right, so that needs to happen. If your EKG is abnormal, if you were in the hospital and you're like, well, I don't know what they said, but I do remember that they said it was abnormal, I did, but that's not what I was there for. Uh, they probably said along the lines, please make sure you follow up with your primary care doctor, follow up, right? So if you got an abnormal EKG and you're a young person, follow up. If you're an old person, follow up. But if you're a young person, for real, follow up. Do not go to practice, follow up. Because um, <laughs> they be like, I'm going to go out to practice. Right. Um, uh, implantable cardiac defibrillators can reduce the risk of cardiac death and moderate intensity exercise is safe for patients with stable hokum. So you can still have a relatively normal life. You're just not about to be playing Sunday nights on the NFL. And that's okay too, because you can still have a fabulous life. Um, maybe you just own the NFL. How about that? How about Something that? Because like that. that sounds very fabulous, actually. Okay. Great. I'd rather do that. Shoot. Yeah. Um, trust <laughs> me, all this hard work is ghetto sure. here. Do not recommend. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, you know what I was going to say? Because um, y'all know I'm, I'm always down for the chocolate babies. Pregnancy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, pregnancy is generally safe with ho- it, when the hokum is stable. About a quarter patients are going to have some symptoms, um, but sudden death during pregnancy and delivery is exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and beta blockers are considered safe in pregnancy. So you'll probably end up on some labetalol um, and you'll probably have some cardiac monitoring. But, you know, just as an example that, you know, there is life after diagnosis you can exercise, you can go on to, you know, have, you know, pretty limited restrictions and you can still grow your family, get pregnant, have babies with close monitoring because it is not a contraindication. And please pay attention to your symptoms. If you're feeling like your heart's fluttering, chest pain, something, anything abnormal after exercise that you don't normally feel, talk to your doctor. Yeah. on our website you know we got a the the spill account and the the threads uh, we got all these dms that are remaining empty so please send us your questions send them to us please and thank right. you what's our so question got, today okay so hello ladies can you give any natural lifestyle changes that would be great for managing menopausal symptoms mm. That's a good this one. is this has seemed to come up. I'm in a, I'm in a menopause question. Fa- you know, like I feel like it always travels in packs. And right now, we're getting a lot of menopause in my office. Yeah, I guess it depends on your symptoms. I think is it that that black black hosh? What's that? Black cohosh. They say that's supposed black cohosh tends to, help to um help with uh, hot um, flashes. They say. Mm-hmm. Um, they also say exercise, which is strange because it's like to exercise more hot but exercise but like like decreasing your weight and all of that is supposed to help but you know well what happens is is that a lot of people come in and they're saying you know i am finding it very hard to lose weight yeah and what they really mean is that you know five years ago if I got on my JJ smoothie challenge and I did my smoothies for 10 days, that would be a guaranteed 15 pounds or guaranteed 20 pounds. And I'm feeling some weight increase. And I did that same thing this time and I lost two. Right. And they're like, something must be wrong. And I'm like, nope, there is nothing wrong. It is not your imagination. Um, it is, you know, it is for real. So, um, they do say, you know, avoid triggers. And so triggers tend to be, 
you know, sometimes it's stress for some people, you know, really hard environments, you know, those things you avoid. Yes, the black cohosh. Um, they, oh, it, there, what was it? It's, um, what's the word? Hmm. Increasing your um, oh, phytoestrogens. So, yes, yeah, so like uh, tempeh, flax seeds, sesame mm. seeds, beans, soybeans, tofu. Um, it find it in the non processed version, right? Think more like the kind that gets uh consumed in Asian markets, not in American markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's supposed to help because it was featured in a sex in the city, yeah. one of the movies. Um, <laughs> yes. So like soybeans, soy milk, yeah. tofu, tempeh, flax seeds, um, sesame seeds, some beans are thought to also, you know, improve it, drinking more water, um, eliminating your processed foods. I know y'all think we say this for everything, but there is some association between high, highly refined carbohydrates and sugars, um, kind of um, spike and drop your insulin levels which tend to make mood fluctuations worse, tend to make hot flashes worse, and tend to exacerbate existing um, meals. They also say in- making sure you're eating a protein. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, I think uh, there was another one. I can't remember what supplement it is, but if I, fan- if I find oh, a legend, yeah, red clover. Yep, yep. Red ah. clover. So red clover is also supposed to be one that tends to help. And so... Um, those are all lit. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things, probiotics, prebiotics, you know, to be taken, DHEA, um, kava, uh, you know, you name it. I've heard, you know, all those things to use. And so I would recommend mm-hmm. trying some of those. Mm-hmm. And prayers out to you. I know menopausal symptoms are, are rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I get it. I know. I'm not looking forward to it. I can stay, I'm stay on this side as long as I can. Listen, I already, mm-hmm. I already said I'm gonna do the best I can to stay healthy so I can get on hormone replacement. <laughs> I know, right? Give me some estrogen. That's it. I'm just, I'm just gonna take it. We are gonna figure mm-hmm. it out. That's me. That's fair. I'm down. <laughs> All right, I'm down. Well, so y'all, well, listen, Doctor right, No, tell the people so where they can find please, us. Please, like I said earlier, um, be sure to follow us on. You know, oh, God, we keep adding social media sites at this point. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Threads, Spill. Um, our handle is the same. It's at the Chocolate MDS. Um, please feel free to send us questions via our website, which is www.thechocolatemds.com. And also send us questions to our Gmail, which is, as you guessed it, thechocolatemds at gmail.com. Please send us those questions, general advice, well wishes, whatever, and we'll be sure to feature them on our next show. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Good night. Take care.